He seems so comfortable with me and isn't shy about engaging in PDA. When we finish eating, we walk around the mall and he continuously holds my hand, grabs my waist, pulls me in closer, opens every door, pulls out every chair. He makes me feel so feminine. It's the TMI Project Podcast, a series of stories about the too much information parts of ourselves we usually leave out because we're too ashamed or embarrassed. I'm Eric Harris. And I'm Kapalee Kalnick. We're your host of Season 5, Black Trans Stories Matter. Before we get started, just want to let you know that as the TMI implies, some content might be too much information for some listeners. This story contains a graphic description of a sexual assault. Please experience with care. And remember, your support keeps our content free and accessible to everyone who wants to listen. So if you like what you hear and you're able to chip in at tmiproject.org, thank you. As you listen, please keep in mind this program was executed during the peak of the pandemic. The performances and interviews were all recorded over Zoom. While the audio quality may be a little lackluster, the content is gold and too good not to share. Let's dive in. Today we're celebrating Sanaya. My name is Sanaya. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I play violin and I sing and I produce. I like to write. I like long walks on the beach at night. (laughs) Sanaya is a beautiful soul with sweetness and strength all rolled into one. It was such a pleasure to get to know her during the workshop. She explained why programs like Black Trans Stories Matter is so important. In the Black community, it's like they speak about the trans community as if there aren't Black trans people. And this like, come on. Because to be honest, from my experience, I feel like being transgender is the bottom of the totem pole under the queer umbrella. Because even people in our community treat us a certain type of way cisgender people in our community treat us a certain type of way that allies and cis heterosexual people wouldn't even be aware of. They just assume we're all collectively together working in harmony and that's not necessarily true. I feel like we are the most oppressed because we're trans and we're black and nobody gets us but us. Nobody will ever understand our plight but us. So we have to stick together and we have to look out for each other and check up on each other and call, are you okay? Are you still alive? First of all, let's start there. Are you still breathing? Do you have housing? Do you have a job? Do you need food? Okay, you going out, send me your location. We have to do that with each other. It's all about the community. So this is Sanaya's story. Stay tuned afterwards to hear more about the writing process, how it felt to share in public and what she's up to today. I just snatched a new job as a solo professional. However, this particular role requires me to travel every day. So I need a more reliable car than my midnight blue 2013 Nissan Sedan. The first car that I purchased all by myself. It is the Sunday before Christmas. And I say to myself, today is the day you're getting a new whip, baby. I'm waiting in line at the pharmacy when I get an interesting DM on Instagram. This guy named Martise has been following me for months. I know exactly who he is. I checked out his page the day he started following me because he was showing an ample amount of thirst by liking almost all of my pictures and videos on my page. 
I visit his page again to get a refresher. I'm reminded of how attractive he is and that he's an avid activist for women's rights and specifically black trans women's rights. I'm intrigued. You don't find too many cisgender black men who identify as heterosexual to be so public about their advocacy of trans women. He's about six foot, six feet inches with a peanut butter complexion, tone, body, low cut, deep coffee brown eyes, a well-groomed mustache and beard, and a smile that can make a nun think twice. He looks hyper-masculine in a healthy way, and he looks successful. I open my DM and, and see that he is finally shooting his shot after all that passive flirting, but today is not today for me to be distracted. I need that car so that I can start my new job that will help me progress with my transition. He asked if he can take me out to lunch in a few hours, and I politely declined, informing him that I am primarily focused on getting my new car before doing anything else. He insists that he will take me car shopping so I can save money on an Uber after he treats me to lunch. I think to myself, hmm, cute guy, free lunch, saving money on Uber, and I still get to purchase my new whip. This sounds like a win-win situation. So I oblige. I send him my address and tell him I'll be back home and ready for pickup within the next two hours. This will be my first date since I've transitioned and a few days before my fifth month anniversary on HRT. I recall his height so I know I can wear my heels and not tower over him, which for some odd reason makes me feel weird even though I don't think there's anything wrong with dating shorter men. I mean, look at Betty and Barney Rebel from the Flintstones. They had a happy life, right? He pulls up to my house and opens the passenger door with a charming smile awaiting for me to get in. I have on a velvet brown jumpsuit that hugs me just right with my favorite blue heels that match me perfectly. My hair is a soft brown color and long enough to tickle the top of my butt. He seems to really like what I'm giving because Miss Mamas was giving it, okay? <laughs> We go to the mall and grab some Panera. This is my first interaction with a male counterpart in public. While eating, he tells me about a show on Netflix that he really enjoyed and that I should watch it when I get a chance. He brings this up more than once. He seems so comfortable with me and isn't shy about engaging in PDA. When we finish eating, we walk around the mall and he continuously holds my hand grabs my waist, pulls me in closer, opens every door, pulls out every chair. He makes me feel so feminine. He's so tall and handsome, everyone is immediately drawn to him when he smoothly walks through the mall, giving zero fucks about anyone staring at us because, of, as I've said, I've only been transitioning for five months and I'm underdeveloped. I'm clockable in an androgynous kind of way. As we're coming out of the food court, I hear one of my friends, oh my gosh, is that Sanaya? They haven't seen me in person since my transition. He gives me a juicy hug and he tells me I look like a bad bitch. He then points to my date and asks if that was my man. I reply bashfully, something like that. I see Marty smiling from overhearing my friend claiming that I look good on his arm. Marty's voice is deep and his confidence with me is through the roof. Am I apprised to him? It's certainly giving me trophy wife vibes and I'm living for it. 
he's so comfortable with me that I feel so safe and comfortable with him. After an hour and a half at the mall, I tell him I'm ready to proceed with my main focus, which is buying my new car. He says, okay, but when we get back in the car, I notice we're heading toward my house. We pull into my neighborhood and he says that the car lot doesn't close until 9.30. He wants to sit for a minute and relax. He wants to spend an entire day with me. I dig into my purse to retrieve my house key and I notice that I left my keys inside and one of my two roommates must have locked the door. I call them both. They are together and won't be back until five, a few hours from now. I tell Martise. He insists that I go to the rental office to get a spare key. I'm so annoyed, but instead of arguing, I sigh and get the spare key. Once inside, he attempts to go upstairs asking if that is where my room was. Yes, it is, but we're going to watch TV in the living room on this level, sir. He follows me to the living room, disappointed. I think to myself, he better not try me. He sat down to watch the show he swore up and down was written by Jesus himself. 10 minutes into the show, I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> it's boring as fuck. He's laughing dramatically, almost as if it was for show. I fake smile in his direction, but I really just want to go get my damn car. Mid laughter, he looks at me and asks to kiss me. At this point, I'm so turned off. The energy from earlier is gone. I don't know, I said innocently. Instead of saying, hell no, take me to the car lot, please. He begs. He says he's been waiting to meet me for months. He dreamed of kissing me. I feel bad, so I reluctantly say, okay, fine, just one. He slowly and passionately kisses me. Okay, okay, that's enough. Let's finish the show so that we can go. Suddenly, the energy in the room changes. In the blink of an eye, he crawls over me and grabs my face to start kissing me again, but this time he's more aggressive. I'm in total shock. I kiss him back to see if that would pacify him. I try to push away, but he pulls me back in. Hey, you're grabbing me too hard but he doesn't listen. He starts to breathe louder, like a wild hyena. I push away. I tell him to stop, but he acts like he can't hear me. I'm nervous. Oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't rape me. I think as I push my knees into his chest, he throws my legs down and grabs both of my wrists with one gigantic hand. And his other hand begins to unzip my favorite jumpsuit. What are you doing? Chill out, stop, don't take off my clothes. As he looms above me, reality sets in. I'm not as strong as I was before homework hormone therapy. I don't have the strength that I had before I began transitioning. I can't fight this man off of me. I'm terrified. He thrusts me face down into my couch. I can't see, I can hardly breathe. Oh my God, I hope he doesn't kill me. I just saw the number of black trans women who are murdered every year. 
I don't want to be on someone's shirt. How did this happen to me? I know I can't fight him, so I need to outsmart him, but how? I decide to turn on my seductive voice. Hey, baby, let me ride you instead. You got me in the mood now. He moves to sit on the other side of the couch, waiting for me to hop on top of him. It worked. I get up bruised and exhausted, sit on the other end of the couch and cross my legs. Need to leave, I murmur, fighting back tears. He's shocked as fuck. He asks if, if he violated me. I say nothing. He sexually assaults me again. I fight as hard as I can, but I'm no match. Four hours later, one of my roommates come home and finds me naked on the living room floor. I've been lying there in disbelief that I was just assaulted and relieved that I was not left for dead. As soon as my roommate asks what happened, I burst into uncontrollable tears. My first date as a trans woman is a rude awakening to my new reality. I have to be more cautious now when dating. I can't allow any man to know where I live unless we actually make it official. I must carry some form of self-defense with me, whether it be a pocket knife, taser, pepper spray, stick, bat, or a heartfelt prayer, anything. We love you. This story is so powerful. Though there are so many other experiences she could have written about, Sanaya chose to share this story for a particular reason. Because it's real. It's reality. This is what really happens. And it was also a wake-up call for me, so I knew that it could be a wake-up call for someone else. It's better to learn from experiences than to experience them yourself. To show how real things can be and how that affected me over time, because it still affects me to this day, of course. Uh, that's why I chose to, to show that vulnerable part of my life. We asked what it was like to write and share such a personal experience with the public. Being present while telling my story, I felt so anxious. But I was also very proud and cheering myself on. And afterwards, I just felt so liberated and happy that I was able to share that. And I felt the love of the listeners and my peers. And I was just happy to be able to experience that. Even though I got a little shook enough in it, it was like I conquered it. I leveled up afterwards because of that. Snaya hopes that all types of people can take something from her story and that folks outside of the Black trans community can get some insight into what it's like to live our lives. This ain't TV, it's real life. I hope the impact of my story and the rest of our stories gave insight and information of the experiences that people like us go through. Like, this is what we look like, and this is the things that happen to us. And this is how we decide to continue to live our lives. We still have jobs. We still work in the community. We still get, get up and put our clothes on every day. After all the things we've been through, we are people of resilience. We go through so much and we we just carry it on our backs and we keep pushing. So it's like a wake up call, like a warning, like if you're a trans person, non-binary, and you experience those things, you can still go on and you're not the only one. I'm someone like you, like you can see yourself in me. And if 
you didn't know that things like that happened to us, but now you do because I shared my story. So be careful, watch how you treat people, be careful how you think and perceive people that you don't know. It's not always us being sexual deviants. Sometimes it's people attacking us. Sometimes it's the other way around. So it's like, come on. I, there's so many stereotypes out there about Black trans people specifically. It's great that we break down those walls and those barriers to show them like that is not the mold and there is no mold. Sanaya is working to make our community healthier and stronger. And most importantly, she's taking good care of herself. I'm working at the hospital still. I work in the psych department now, switch departments because I was working in endocrinology. So I was working, you know, helping out some trans people. Hey, y'all. <laughs> but now I'm working in the psychiatric department on the children's side. So that's been very nice. Also been a learning experience, even when they send trans children to the psych department because they're trans. So that's been interesting. It's just seeing like how their families have treated them and the trauma and abuse that they go through with their parents. And that's been pretty interesting for me. I'm also in therapy, trying to get my life right, you know, become the highest version of myself, self-love. <laughs> I've been writing in my journal and praying a lot more. I've gotten closer to God. So I feel like I'm on a very, um, let me reword that. I feel like I'm on the right track right now. And I'm patting myself on the back. I'm being gentle with myself. I'm forgiving myself for making mistakes. I'm forgiving myself for not being aware. I'm forgiving myself for misunderstanding things and putting myself in harm's way. I'm just being a lot more gentle with me. I have to. It's about time. <laughs> and to anyone on the fence about participating in a writing workshop in the future, Sanaya had this to say. It felt like self-improvement but with friends it's like we're all improving together we're all digging into our brains pulling out these ideas pulling out these feelings we're jotting them down on paper we're sharing if we care to share because you're not forced to do anything so it was just nice to see how open everyone was willing to be and to feed off of each other and to learn so much from each other because they've been through things I've never experienced. I've been through things they've never experienced. It's like, wow, come on, people. Like the community is, I just felt us building and growing together day by day. Thanks so much, Sanaya. Next up is Mars, who tells us about coming into their true identity after competing in a high school drag show. Stay tuned, you don't want to miss it. I'm Eric. And I'm Capely. Black Trans Stories Matter was created by ballroom icon, actress, and TMI project storyteller, Ms. Cece Suazo. The program and workshops are led by me and Capely Kalnick. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps. TMI Project is available to offer true storytelling workshops and performances for your school or workplace. This episode of Season 5 of the TMI Project podcast, Black Trans Stories Matter, is produced in partnership with Radio Kingston. It was written and edited by me, Eric Harris. It was mixed and mastered by Stevie Manns. Our theme song is Secrets by Edison Woods. TMI Project's executive director is Eva Tenuto. Our operations and programs manager is Blake File. 
Our marketing and digital coordinator is Laura Marie Ruoco. Our graphic designer is Lauren Gill. In addition to me and Capely Kalnick, our workshop leaders are Perla Iora, Ailey Downs, Rain Grayson, Ray Lipkind, Dara Lurie, Julie Novak, Blake File, Eva Tenuto, and Micah. To learn more, support our work, and find a special writing prompt so you can start telling your story, visit tmiproject.org slash podcast. <laughs>